Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce, that looks like a warm coat or sweatshirt you're wearing. What is it? Yeah, it's an Edmonton skyline, and it's got the names of many of the great <laughs> Oilers of all time. If you read I like close that. up, it's got a Curry and a Gretzky and a Tikkanen and, a, well, I right, up to, right up to speed. Yeah, it's really, it's really good, and it's a skyline, so. You're a fashion trendsetter. You could be an influencer, man. Like, Oh, yeah. What else would you have? You never know what, what shows up under the tree, man. <laughs> <laughs> what what fine food you know nice. you could you can uh-huh. take instagram photos of what you're eating and uh-huh. the places you go for walks and i guess it's a full-time job Alrighty, big win for the oilers bruce every win yeah. <laughs> every win's a when you're when you're below 500 every win's a big win but now they oh, have scraped back to real 500 and uh three to one win over the ottawa senators uh uh solid solid defensive game eh? just just they really shut down the senators except for the you know three or four or five uh, you know five alarm chances <laughs> that mike smith had to face all right let's do our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and because it's an order's win we will go with two good things each mm. bruce what's your first good thing yeah, I really enjoyed that game. I thought Oilers played well. It was a sort of a taut game. It was uh, it was tense, but the, the mm-hmm. uh, they paid a lot of attention to detail. Uh, I'm going to single out or triple out, I guess, the uh, uh, entire line of Leon Dreisaitl, Kyle Yamamoto, and Dominic Cahoon for a very strong performance with a number of dominant shifts in Ottawa territory. Uh, most notably, the shift that resulted in the game tying goal one to one, a crucial, crucial goal for a long time. It was one nothing for Ottawa on that real strange goal that they got. And you're thinking, I've seen one nothing games before where the only goal was an oddball goal like that, but uh, they tied it up with some great pressure zone pressure for probably 45 seconds, and it looked like Ottawa had a. <clears throat> chance to clear the puck two or three times and each time the Edmonton player would come over and win a like a 40-60 puck battle either along the boards or eventually uh, Dominic Cahoon made a spectacular play really down low in front of the net to steal the puck away and chip it over diving chip it over to uh, mm-hmm. Drysaddle who made no mistake burying it between the pads of uh, Matt Murray who had, a, who had a strong game but was twice beaten five hole from close range and uh that was uh, that was good. It was. <clears throat> I think they re- I think they read your article, David, because uh, they were trying to set up Leon to shoot tonight. Did you notice that? <laughs> they had a two-on-one. Leon fed it over to Yamamoto, and Yamamoto tried to feed it back to Leon, even though he was covered, because he'd probably read your post and think, oh, I've been, I've been too much of a puck hog. I better pass it to Leon. <clears throat> I'll take Leon did have five shots on on net in this game. Uh, to lead all, lead the team, and he had uh, he also dominated again in the faceoff circle, fourteen and eight, uh, and he got a he got a secondary assist on the game-winning goal as well that was scored during a line change. But it was uh, I just thought that line was strong, and they had you know strong shot uh, shot shares. I mean uh, shot attempts on and Leon's minutes were twenty four eleven against. You know, like that's pretty good, solid control over fifteen plus minutes of five on five 
hockey. Uh, Cahoon was 17 and 8. So, you know, more of the same, basically a 2 to 1, 2 to 1 ratio. And uh, they, uh, I just like their, I like their battle level and I like their smarts defensively. Leon made some good defensive plays tonight and they had uh, um, not a lot of huge trouble in their own end of the ice to my eye. Yeah, Leon had, uh, at even strength, Bruce, he had two uh, grade A scoring chance shots which equals his entire total for the year up until now. I was just searching grade eight shots and um, on our main document. And I was just flabbergasted when I mm-hmm. saw that. I just, I just couldn't believe that he has not had more scoring chances at even strength. Last year, I think in uh, 71 games, he had 93 grade A shots at even strength. This year, he had two in 13 going into the game. So... Um, and I think he's taken on the role of playmaker on that line. I think Nugent Hopkins set him up for a lot of chances. And I think, uh, I, I still think Drysaddle works best with a playmaker. I mean, um, he, he, he is a great playmaker, that said. And he is, he's, ma- he's made a lot of assists. But uh, it'd be good to have someone setting him up a lot. And so Cahoon did that tonight. Uh, uh, that was a great hustle play in front of the net That's by Cahoon. And, and all the players on that line were just great. The only mistake, <laughs> the bad one, was Yamamoto's turnover that led to oh, a... Um, clear breakaway? Yeah. That one? <laughs> that one. Yeah. That was not good. Uh, as for the game, I liked the game as it went along. I liked the game more and more as it went along. That first period was about as boring a first period as we've seen all year, though, Bruce. There was one grade A chance the whole first period, and uh, I, I decided both teams were looked, looked fairly flat. Uh, but the game was strong, and, and the Oilers got. This is one of the few times, Bruce. This is where the Oilers looked like a, a competent defensive hockey team, able to protect the lead once they got mm-hmm. it, and shut mm-hmm. down the other team. So that's what I that's what I liked about the game. My good thing, first good thing, will be the game of Tyler Ennis. This is the kind of game that Tyler Ennis had repeatedly last year. It's the kind of game that earned him a contract, and if he keeps playing like this this year. It will keep him in the lineup. It was really one of the first games that he's played well. I think he's actually been trending up, though. For, he was just rancid at the start of the year. But he's been trending up, and this was easily his best game. And uh, he was flying out there all night long. Uh, he made four major contributions to Grady's scoring chances at even strength. Not one mistake against on a scoring chance. Um, and the goal he scored was fantastic it was just it was just the kind of thing that a team needs if it's going to win games they need their their bottom line guys third and fourth line guys to make plays like that every now and then and if Ennis can do that that's a that's a major uh major contribution he also uh helped set up stole the puck in the third period and whipped it over to McDavid who set up Pugliarvi for a great chance so great plays by Tyler Ennis uh, another sweet play. Like he really had his hands tonight. He was he was dangling efficiently, and and uh, he made a real nice cut play in the second period to cut inside and and lift one, ring it off the uh, near side goalpost. So that was a very nifty play, and uh, just you know jumping and chipping in on the attack, which as you say, we just haven't had any of that from the bottom six. Uh, anyway, Ennis got the winning goal tonight uh, to break open a one-all tie in the third period. And before tonight, the orders had six wins, and uh, the game-winning goals were distributed three by McDavid, three by Drysaddle, 
none by the entire rest of the team. So it's about flipping time that the rest of the team started to chip in. And, and, uh, and I think game-winning goals, you know, some of it's a little bit cheesy. I mean, one of dry saws was when, when Stutzla scored with 30 seconds left to make a 4-1 game 4-2 last week, you know. That. But other times when the when the game-winner breaks a tie in the, la- in the third period, uh, or the last second of the third period or overtime, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a huge goal. And Emesis was tonight, about, what, six minutes into the third? And it was a tight game. It was pretty clear the next goal was pretty likely going to be good enough. Yeah, they have a weird way of counting game-winning goals in it. Like they should maybe the go-ahead, the final go-ahead goal. He he yeah he uh, Tyson, he set up Tyson Berry on a really good chance too. Ennis did so. How'd you like a third line of maybe Negard, Haas, and Ennis? That'd be fast. Speedy. Um, Bruce, what's your second good thing? Oh, I'm going to give a hats off to Mike Smith. Uh, the beleaguered and battled uh, Mike Smith, a uh, goalie who hasn't played a minute for the Oilers all year and, and has been uh, uh, the subject object of uh, numerous epithets from around the hockey Ridicule. world. <laughs> Ridicule from many of them. He's a bad goalie. Oh, yeah, he's old and he got hurt because he's old. And, you know, he got hurt and he missed a bunch of time and he came back tonight and he was right on his game, to my mind. Uh, he looked confident. He, he uh uh, he moved the puck pretty good. Uh, I think the fact the Oilers were more organized defensively uh, may have something to do with that. And that's something I'm going to watch for. Last year, the Oilers had better defensive results with Mike Smith than they had with uh, um, Koskinen. They, they allowed three fewer shots per game in those games. And I don't know if it was puck moving. I don't know what it was. But tonight, there was... Uh, a whole lot less of the miscommunication on the back end that we've been seeing, and I don't know if the, uh, if you know, getting a little, little sort of tough love from behind uh, in the in the net or what's going on, but uh, the team in front of him played well, and he didn't, in truth, face that many tough uh, tough shots. Uh, he didn't have a prayer on the one that went in that you're going to talk about in a minute. That was a perfect shot, top corner, on a breakaway by Adam Larson. <laughs> And it was, uh, um, but uh, uh, the tough shot, like he, he was seeing the puck, he was re- reacting, like he reacts late, like the puck is almost on him and all of a sudden he just springs out and he gets a piece of it. And it's kind of nerve wracking. And when he's not on his game, well, bad things happen. But tonight he was he was making those reactions and making those saves. And he, he made one absolutely enormous save off that Yamamoto giveaway that you were talking about earlier. Well, Ottawa was ahead one nothing at that point. That would have made it 2 nothing. And the way Matt Murray was playing, I mean, Louis DeBrus said it right at the time, that's a game saver. And I don't think he was wrong. Because it kept them within touch of the game, and they, you know, they eventually found a way to get one, and then the second one, and Smith slammed the door at the other end, and, and you know, what, what was it, six grade-A chances against? So it wasn't like he was... Yeah, but there was some like, but but there were some tough ones, and and uh, yeah. he had the answers, and uh, I just thought the team settled down. And again, it's hard to say. Well, it's because he was in there doing this or that, or uh, you know, uh, organizing things from behind. But uh, uh, I do think the team responded well. Him being in there, and he responded well, playing his first game, full game in in eleven months. You know. Yeah. The uh, they needed a change, Bruce. I was thinking they desperately kind of needed some change up after the Calgary game because it was just such so, so 
Yeah. They just were not playing. That was such a terrible game in so many ways. And he obviously provided that. He, there, there was the breakaway save that he made, and then there was the two saves at the end of the second period when the Ottawa was oh, in the power play. Two bang bang chances, just, just what I call the five alarm scoring. Mm-hmm. Not just grade A, but the five alarm, right. thirty, you know, thirty three percent plus uh, mm-hmm. scoring chance where, you know, they they really have a great opportunity. I think Smith's <laughs> reputation in Edmonton, Bruce, suffered dramatically from sour taste in your mouth bias mm-hmm. based on that one playoff game and mm-hmm. it really um and i think i suffered from it I, i've been suffering from it because when you look at his season last year like i'm not saying he was a good bet going into this season and i don't think they would have made the bet if they could have got a different goalie um at a they decent tried. price they tried obviously but he he had two great runs last season when he was a very good NHL goalie. And when he wasn't, he was injured. Now, the, but the, you know, the problem is he's old. He's going to get injured. So that's that should be at the top of your mind. This is why old NHL players break down and no longer perform. But I think that really, uh, that, that terrible game he had, first period he had against Chicago in the playoffs, really uh, stayed with all of us. And it was hard to shake that and thinking about him coming in and being that goalie who for probably 20 games last year was a, was a grade A, was a really strong NHL starter. And he regularly provided games like this last year. Um, but he also, you know, I, I, was just, I just was having this worry that he was going to let in a weak goal all yeah. night long, right? Because that's what we last saw. And it just made such a huge impression. You know, the, the play that I liked the best with him was, um, other than the, big saves was there was a play. I think it might've been in the first period where Ottawa shot the puck down the ice and the Ottawa player was going to get a breakaway. Oh, right. But Smith came right out above the ring at line above mm-hmm. the, the, the circles and played the puck and passed it up. Now that's a play that Koskinen would have, I would may or may not make, he would have effed up. I just think like he, he, he might not have even gone for it. Well, right. That's one, it, yeah. May not like, have tried for. There's a possibility he might not have gone for, or if he did, that it would have ended up in the Oilers' net, like a 50-50 chance at least with Koskinen going out there. Probably 75-25 it goes in the Oilers' net. So I was very grateful in that moment that Mike Smith was there to make that play. And his passing of the puck, his movement of the puck all night, was he was so on. Um, he, he looked good all game long, and so I, I gave him an 8 out of 10. I just thought he had a great game. This was the Mike Smith I hope to see, and I, I'm perverse enough that I've actually been looking forward to seeing him for a while, because I'm with you. I think they just needed to change things up, and Koskinen is going to be a better goalie for playing seven or six games out of ten, as opposed to nine out of ten, like or twelve out of thirteen, like he has to this point. And we're either going to get the good Mike Smith or the bad Mike Smith. I don't think there is a mediocre Mike Smith. It's just the good one or the bad one. Tonight we got the good one, and hopefully he's a good, going to be good to uh, go on a little roll because, boy, does the team ever need uh, 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 solid net minding, and they need two net minders to provide it. He really does have personality. Eh? Like, like you can just see. He's fun to watch, just, like, I think. Character. He's fun to watch. He's an entertaining player, and he did he – did, it was a decent tandem last year in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It was good enough that the, that the Oilers had the best winning percentage of any Canadian team last year in the regular season. Something was going right, and th- these goalies were part of it. So, um, yeah, I, to give you credit, Bruce, you, you were not on the 
in the darkest corners of the oil countries, speaking, spewing the darkest incantations against Ken Holland and Mike Smith, like some people were. You tried to understand it and, and, and you know, and see the logic of it and defend Smith a little bit. So I'll give you credit for that. That was plan C, mm. plan B. It wasn't plan A, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, there, you know, there is a track record there, and that track record, if... if uh, if you can expunge somehow from your mind those 26 minutes and 32 seconds from August, which obviously I haven't expunged because I can still tell you exactly how long you played in that game. But uh, the goalie that we saw during actual hockey season uh, had, as you say, two two nice strong runs, and the second one was a long run. Like There was a stretch from uh, early January till just before the shutdown where he was 16 wins, two losses, four ties, or the Oilers were 16, two and four in games that he played. But I mean, that's, that's fine results when you only, you know, you get points in 20 out of 22 games. Yeah. It's top drawer. So. Yeah. So a lot of people will be, um, will be, uh, I don't know what they'll be. The, the people who hate these players never seem to, to uh, give them much credit when they do well. So they'll just, they'll wait for the next time when they can give their Ashnag Mike mm-hmm. Smith incantation. And We'll probably be doing it at some future point, you know, when he plays bad. But I just don't <laughs> like the assumption that he's going to play bad and that he's just a bad goalie and he's washed up and so on. I mean, look at, I don't know. I mean, unless you're the whole... The, the save percentage is the be-all and end-all, and I guess he's a bad goalie. But um, we play to win the game. Bruce, my second good thing was Tyson Berry, who I uh, criticized heavily last game. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, boy, he had a great game. Mm-hmm. He did. I, I think I only gave him a seven, so I, I sure mm-hmm. maybe gave him an eight, but. He didn't make any mistakes on a great A chance against. He was really solid defensively, as was Darnell Nurse. Mm-hmm. And he he, he 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 used good judgment on the attack. Every decision that he made seemed to pay off. He was constantly pinching and winning battles. He was he made a key pinch on uh Dry Saddle's goal. Yep. He he um he got some deadly shots off on net that just didn't go in. So if that if he could bring that game consistently, Tyson Berry would get a new contract for, with the Edmonton Oilers. But um, so, so let's just leave it there. He, he, great game, Tyson Berry. Good work. Keep it up. Very aggressive. He, uh, he made a lot of good decisions in the offensive zone, and they weren't costly behind him. You know, it wasn't stuff going crazy wrong. Like the other night, he was aggressive in the offensive zone, but uh, it led to quite a few crap uh, shows. But uh, tonight, uh, he was on his A game, and you're right to criticize him the other night, and you're right to praise him tonight. I mean, that's the thing about these guys. They're not all the one thing, any of them, right? Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Tonight, Tyson Berry was very good. Alrighty, bad things? Yeah, bad well, thing. yeah, I got to go with, I'm tempted to whine about those two penalties that the Oilers took, both of which were bizarre, but Whatever. Uh, Zach Cassian, uh, he got cr- criticized by coach um, Dave Tippett, as you wrote about in your game day post today, saying that he needed to become more engaged and more aggressive in the game. Say the he, least, yeah. Yeah, and he, he obviously took those words to heart. Uh, and uh, uh, 
he uh, in a very early shift, maybe a second shift, I thought it was his first, dropped the gloves right off the face-off and had a tilt with a uh, very uh, high-energy, high-action tilt with his uh, counterpart number 44, Eric Goodbrinson, uh, who is a big, tough, not all that great defenseman for the, uh, for the Senators. And <clears throat> something happened in there that... Uh, um, Cassian went to the penalty box, but then later they said he'd gone to the dressing room, and there he remained for the entire night. <clears throat> so he got involved in an aggressive fashion, and the outcome was he got five minutes in penalties, but only 33 seconds of ice time with zero real contribution to the game, and it just messed up the line combinations. It was like they were 11-7 again, only they were 11-6 this time because of, of the uh, presumably injury. Uh, that occurred to uh, to Cassian, and we'll wait to see what uh, what uh, further news we get. But uh, uh, if he was pumped up to get involved and and uh, and lay down a more aggressive tone, we really didn't get a chance to see it, other than that sidebar. I think yeah. last, last game I listed, I think David in the podcast six ways that I thought Cassian could become more. Uh, more involved in the games to help out the Oilers. And dropping the flippers was the sixth and last item on the list. So, of course, that was the first thing that he did. <laughs> but uh, it, uh, if he's out for any length of time, well, that's a drag, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what we need is for the guy to get his crop together and start, you know, playing hockey the way he can. And that involves, you know, engaging. And he tried to engage, and that was a the unfortunate consequence. Yeah, fortunately they have, they have pretty good depth on the wing. So and and if they they will miss them against tough teams though, like Montreal. I mean, Kara will likely be in the lineup. I guess Kara, I, I thought had one of his best games. Versus, like I, I, I just want to just a brief aside on Kara. Like when we last were seeing him, I just had that thought. Like, why are you going out not hustling and playing timid hockey? And the, and I think in the last couple of games since then. We have seen someone who's who's made up his mind. If he is going to go down, he's going to go down with guns blazing because he's just really working and, and trying to make plays. So good for you, Jujar Kara. That's how you should carry on this season. If you're not going to make it, just just do it scraping um, and clawing the whole way uh, to keep in inside the uh, Oilers dressing room. You might get ejected, but uh, put up that good fight. And it, I think it. I think because I think there is an NHL hockey player there. Where's my bad thing? Go, you have a thought on Kara? Just that he played a hard, heavy game tonight, and he had a tilt of his own. It was the first two of the year for the artists, and they were like two seconds apart or something. Yeah. In the, in the first period, right off the bat to try and set the tone, I guess, uh, 141 and 143. And they were, uh, uh, and Kara, well, you know, wasn't a particularly um, uh, open fight shall we say but he was engaged in that and he was engaged in the game he had uh, three hits and you know and he won a bunch of puck battles and uh, I thought he uh, he was solid enough on the 4C spot I don't know why they fight when they when they're wearing the face shields like the face masks I'm sure Carab or Cassian hurt his hand hitting Maybe. the guy's face mask or his helmet it's just kind of I don't know takes all the fun out of fighting <laughs> like like to me, because I'm just watching, I just think, 
it, it strikes me also that players get hurt far more often now from fighting than they used to in the past. And I don't know why. I don't know if that's right or wrong or if it's just um, um, I'm just imagining that. But I just think in the last decade when when the players fight, it seems like everyone like they're always getting hurt now. Maybe it's just something that's happened with the orders, like with Ethan Morrow, Sheldon Surrey, uh, now Cassie. And it just seems on and on and on, the injuries that come out of fighting. So um, they're a lot bigger than they used to be. And um, there, there's the helmets and the face masks. So, okay, my bad thing is um, the goal against, just the sequence of pain on that whole thing. We're starting off, Connor McDavid, you know, the offensive zone turnover. Mm-hmm. Um that kicks it off. And then uh, both defensemen, as soon as, uh, as soon as Brady Kachuk gets the puck on the boards there, uh, Evgeny Dadanov streaks up the ice. And Adam Larson is a little bit out of position, a little slow getting going. Dadanov has a step on him, and Adam Larson is not going to catch him um, any day of the week or year. And... But I also didn't like William Lagason, and we, you and I, have a little bit of a disagreement on whether mm-hmm. Lagason's to blame, a major culprit on this. But I just saw it as Kachuk's on the boards, stationary, not really moving with the puck, and Dadanov's off to the races, streaking down the ice. I just think, come on, William, you've got to recognize um, that that guy's going to get a breakaway, and you've got to get on your horse and skate as fast as you can to cover him, and that would be the correct play, because. Kachuk's not a threat in any way. The, 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 the threat posed by Dadanov is monumental. The threat posed by Kachuk at that time is he's standing still. There's no, there's no real issue. Anyway, uh, Kachuk puts it over Lagason's head. Beautiful lob pass, gorgeous. Dadanov goes in and Larson finally catches him just in time to almost make a heroic stop. But he, you know, and this is really bad luck. This is really bad luck for Adam Larson. He put the puck in his own net. And I'm sure, like. Cheddar. Yeah, top cheddar. (laughs) Well, your mother keeps the cookies. He, Adam Larson, uh, he's got a lot of haters out there, Bruce. I'm surprised. Like, I see people making their their Oilers lineups and they leave Adam Larson out. And I just think, like, honestly, I think, on what planet? Are you serious? You think, and it's not just because Dave Tippett likes the player. This is based on performance, um, but I, his haters are going to be all over that one, I'm sure, and uh, and have been. He was out of position and he was slow, and he's not the fastest skating defenseman. And he got caught on that play, and and they and they scored. So he well, deserves that, criticism tonight. They were mixed up left to right, Lagerson and Larson on that play, and of course McDavid made the high risk of pass across to the to. Um, at the blue line, and Kachuk intercepted. So he made a good defensive play first. He's a whale of a young player, Brady Kachuk. He's a, he's been yeah. impressive in these games that we've seen this last week or so with the Sens. Uh, and there there was a, a little, I think, miscommunication as to left versus right. But I think Lagason, my read was that Lagason knew that the guy was behind him, and he thought Larson was best position, and he was going to cut off the pass, and he got in the passing lane. And he was, in fact, in the passing lane. The only problem was he's not 30 feet tall. So when Kachuk scooped him, uh, I mean, that pa- the pass landed just inside the, the Oilers' blue line. I'm just going, wow, what a great pass. And, of course, Dadanov is flying onto it. And 
Larson's doing his level best just trying to, you know, saw him off and prevent him from getting the shot away, which he did. Unfortunately, Larson himself took the shot and buried a top corner. But uh, it was uh, it was a strange a strange goal, and it was it was kind of an ugly one and kind of an unlucky one. Uh, I thought it was a case in Laguson's case, like playing the pa- the pass was the threat, and he tried to play the pass, but he could not anticipate. <clears throat> That, so then, Kachuk was gonna was gonna do do it the way he did, and I, my hats off to the guy making the pass. That was a whole world play. In that Essentially, Madison allows a pass on a great eight chance. So that's yeah, why. well, yeah, you can say yeah. he allowed the pass, yeah, because he isn't thirty feet tall. He should have right, that so. part out. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, he was yeah. too far from Kachuk to close in on him to prevent, you know, to attack the stick and puck as he was releasing and. I mean, if you have two defensemen that turn tail and run, then Kachuk walks up the ice with it and creates something different. Ah, uh, McDavid wouldn't caught him, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to have to look at it again. I have to say, you allow a pass on a grade A chance against. Uh, you're allowing a breakaway, as far as I'm concerned. Um. So, Bruce, your what's your number? Yeah, I'm just going to go with 2525, which is the uh, minutes of Dr. 25 to Arnold Nurse play tonight. And uh, just because he so neatly matched his sweater number in both the minutes and seconds column. But just another example of the big, big uh, minutes that Darnell's been playing. I thought he was solid tonight. He and Barry were solid. Uh, I think he was maybe beat one of the ones burned on that big power play chance late in the second. And other than that, uh, uh, very strong. Five shots on net, four block shots at, at the good end, and just active, skated miles, uh, played a strong game. And, you know, when you're playing over 40% of the game like that, you know, you're having a pretty big influence. So just, uh, you know, led, led the team in, uh, in ice time and was uh, one of the bosses in what was a very strong defensive uh, showing by the uh, by the orders. My number is six. Okay. Number of hits from Josh Archibald, mm-hmm. and and I'm not the biggest fan of Josh Archibald, uh, generally speaking, because he doesn't really provide much on the attack at all. But I can, and I know that he's a favorite of the coach Dave Tippett. But I could. That was the game when I'm seeing what Tippett sees in him. He just was all over the ice winning battles, blocking shots, uh, hitting people, hitting them hard, making plays. And he, does uh, hit hard. he hits hard and he scored one empty net goal. He almost had another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so good for Josh Archibald. He, um, I don't know. He, that, that whole fourth line played well, Kara, Archibald and Ennis. And, uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see that entire group come back. Archibald's, it's funny, he's like the separated birth from Chris Russell. They're both defense first, uh, diminutive players who just play with all heart. And uh, and not bad wheels on both of them. Although I am noticing, Bruce, is this just me? I just think Russell's slowing down. There's just moments mm-hmm. when he gets the puck where I just think he would have he would have skated quicker in the past and made a better play. Just seems to have lost a step um, I'm seeing so. I really, I'm hoping to see Caleb Jones in the next game and Russell out. Um, or, and maybe we'll even see Ethan Bear and, and Bouchard out. Bouchard had a fairly high event game. And um, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Bear is ready. I wouldn't be surprised to see Bear Jones play, and I think the Oilers will be a better team for it. Theirs was the only pairing that was on the short end of the uh, flow of play results. The uh, uh, the Lagason, I mean William Lagason was on the ice for 15 minutes tonight. And Ottawa had two shots. What about Larson? One of which was by Larson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the third time you've made that joke, Bruce. You're, yeah, you're I know. Well, it was kind of, kind of funny. Five, five to two <laughs> were the shots when he was out there, and seven to four was Larson yeah. in favor of the Oilers. And, and uh, in the case of uh, Nurse and Barry, it was 18 to 13, 18 to 11 shots on net, so way more uh, higher event, but a good event. A lot of shots by the Oilers with their first yeah. pair on the ice. As for Archibald, he's Mr. Empty Net. He now has five empty net goals and two assists uh, during his 76 games as an Edmonton Oiler. That's more empty net points than Leon Dreisaitl or anyone. He's uh, he's the man when it comes to uh, to uh, getting the uh, empty netters. He's got two this year. Like I say, he almost had an extra one tonight. And uh, Tippett really trusts him out there. He's always out there in the last minute when the Oilers are defending a one-goal lead, and he's not never with his usual line, but he's out there. He not only scores empty net goals, but last year I remember making a key shot block one time, a key zone clearance another time. You know, protecting a one-goal lead as the clock wound down. And that's uh, Tippett trusts him to make the big defensive play at the end. So I don't blame him. I, I, um. I'd like to. I'd. I'm starting to think Puliyarvi at the end of the game would be a good idea too. I'd like to see the big man killing penalties, and uh, I'm just sneaking in an extra good thing here because this was. I thought Puliyarvi's third good game in a row, Bruce. Yeah, he was good. And um, that's what I was. That's what I'm asking for from the, that player. It's that kind of consistency because he's been so up and down, but he is looking really good. And uh, he almost he had a great chance to score late in the third period, set up mm-hmm. for McDavid. And and honestly, I see more chemistry right now between McDavid and Puglia Yarvi than I see chemistry between McDavid and R and H. Um, they just they, they seem to play at the same speed, Puglia Yarvi and McDavid, which is fast. It's like super supersonic fast. And uh, yeah, I like them together. I think there's the makings of something there, and it's kind of exciting. It's kind of a unexpected. Uh, joy to this season that's coming into the lives of Oiler fans. Well, last time Paul Yarby played on a line that was this good, he was playing with Sebastian Ajo and Patrick Liney <laughs> at the 2016 World Juniors. Yeah. But playing with talent, like he looked great playing with two talented players at that time, and he's starting to emerge now, and, and you can see he's excited. Yeah. And 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 and, and enjoy having fun and 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 really seeing the opportunity and seizing the opportunity that's uh, being presented to him. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big development if, uh, if he continues to, to move in this direction and happen a whole lot sooner than I would have guessed. I would have thought half the season at least before he worked his way up into the, into the uh, upper echelon of the, you know, the lines. But right now, you know, he and Yamamoto, those are your top six right wingers. Yeah. It took a couple of years, but here yeah. they are. I was going to say he, he Pugliarvi's the benefit of the underrated elixir of confidence, but I, I'm not sure that confidence is underrated in hockey it's commentary. It's, it's it is not. talked about. It is talked about a lot, but you know what? 
I don't think it's one of those things like some people might say, well, grit's talked about too much or this is talked about too much. I don't think confidence is talked about too much. I think confidence makes champions. And we saw it with uh, Glenn Sather's, Edmonton Oilers, when they, the, the confidence that Sather had and he was able to uh, teach or instill in those players. I think confidence can be taught. Risk-taking can be taught. Um, and I think that Sather did it then. And, and we're seeing with Pugliarvi this year uh, the, the huge benefit of confidence. And it's, it's great to see. It's great to see that happen in Edmonton for once because usually Edmonton is the place where confidence goes to die <laughs> in the decade of darkness. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's blossoming blossoming right now, Bruce, with a number of players. So good stuff. Well, that's what I saw in Mike Smith tonight too. It's just I, 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 he, he he seemed to have that you know strong sense that I can contribute and in a positive way. There was I don't know I, I don't want to say body language, but he just <laughs> he just had uh, the savior, uh, Mike Smith. No, yeah, the savior. Right, I forgot that part. So, but uh, it is a big part of it. I, th- I think the term is not always accurately used, but uh, it's, it's an important part of anything. If you think you can do something, the chances of you actually doing it are a lot better than if you don't think you can do it. So, we're, we're refer- if people don't know what we're referring to with the savior, there was a Sportsnet tweet or headline <laughs> where Smith was referred to as Mike Smith was referred to as the savior, and that got heavily mocked. By people, but I think it had as much to do with the fact that his hair, like his hair and his beard and his his appearance, looks kind of like the Hollywood <laughs> version of Jesus a little bit, you know, wild oh, okay. eye. So I think maybe that's what there was in the back of their minds when they were calling him the Savior because he's got that kind of Jesus look to him. I thought the headline itself was mocking the Oilers. I thought sports, oh, was it? sports well, were. Oh, maybe maybe I missed that. Yeah, I probably did. I just saw it. Wow. I just saw a tweet. I don't know if I even saw the headline, but yeah, maybe they were making fun of orders and orders fans. Here's your savior, Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah, that 38 part. year old. Now, yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, give, give him credit. He, uh, he 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 came out tonight. I know the thing is, if he came out tonight and had a bad game, it would have been absolutely disastrous, and he didn't. So, yeah, laugh it up now, Sportsnet. Laugh mm. it up now. <laughs> All right, Bruce, thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. I'd particularly like to thank those folks that stay up and want to listen to the podcast before they go to bed. I saw a whole number of you making that comment in a recent uh, YouTube comments section about how this kind of is is sort of the icing on the cake of a game night, and I really want to thank those people in particular for their their loyalty and uh, for listening to us. Those comments really were encouraging, and and we both remarked on it at the time, and that was very nice for all the people who said that. So I, I also thank them, and I thank you, Bruce. Thanks again. Okay. Good night. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>